Welcome to another episode of Learn with Bestern, where we discuss the latest trends in leadership development, self-development, as well as well-being. There's so much information out there. We want to make sure we bring in the latest insights and research based on neuroscience and behavior change to give you the tools that you need to make a change in your personal and professional lives. Join us on a journey to learn more. We hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with others that might find it helpful. Okay, Nada, I think this is the, the right moment to start our discussion. So welcome to everybody. Uh, I'm so glad to, to have the opportunity to share with you uh, this topic that is so dear personally to me. Uh, how are we changing in fact, thanks or despite COVID, uh, the COVID world? What is happening in fact with in terms of, is there any changes in terms of the purpose that corporations are giving uh, are giving to the society? What are the values uh, that have changed, have been uh, adapted? Uh, what is the level of agility that, that it has been in the in the in the workplace? And what is the the starting point of this discussion is said that some time ago we were discussing with Nada about a research that appeared uh, that it was provided by KPMG where they were asking the CEOs so what is the biggest risk for corporation nowadays uh, and funny enough is that this research that was do done like December 2020 uh, put like the lack of talent or the talent readiness as, as the, the, the top uh, uncertainty for, see, for the future of, the, of business growth. And when they did this uh, study in January 2020, so that means just before COVID, um, the lack of the talent readiness was number 11. So from number 11, it went to number one. What a drastic change. Uh, the, the COVID crisis has made it a little bit more evident that most leaders were not prepared to deal with the current situation, specifically from the human side. There was something lacking and you are in front of the situation, the realities, and suddenly you don't know how to handle people working remotely, people who needs mental support, people who needs, uh, who needs to be reassured with the uncertainty of, of the times. And we were not just ready for that. So through the pandemic, we have seen that uh, a couple of things. One is that CEOs believe that purpose is more relevant than ever. Uh, employees are, have started reconsidering their current career uh, to have more fulfilling path alternatives. Is that enough to have just the financial perks of working for a company or is there something else? And that has been driven also by the changes of, uh, of the, the current situation. Corporate cultures have been shaking as they were not adapted to the needs of an organization who is in the turmoil of a lot of uncertainty. So what we want to do in this session is to kind of deconstruct the changes in attitudes, belief of individuals and corporations, understand what happened and assess what are the options to thrive and generate optimal performance in this new well, and you know what? I'm super excited also because Nada is with us. 
Nada is someone that I have known already for a couple of, uh, of years. Uh, she has a wealth of experience from the corporate side inside of human resources and for all of the contributions that she has been giving in terms of game-changing cultures in different, uh, in different corporations around the world. And well, I, I'm going to stop Nada. You, you need to tell me, <laughs> tell me a little bit more about you. Tell me. Sure, thank you, Ivan. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be with you today. I cannot uh, say much more. Thank you for uh, such lovely words. We've known each other for many years now uh, in different contexts, and it's uh, always a pleasure to be uh, together. Uh, well, as you said, I, um, I have a real passion to, uh, to work with transformations and transformation of cultures, of people. Uh, whatever that may mean in any context, uh, whether it's a big company, it's a small company, but uh, my true belief in the transformation pre-COVID and post-COVID uh, even was emphasized. Uh, the different values we can uh, and purpose, we, I'll be more than happy to share today uh, from practical experience how things are moving to hopefully support uh, the people to make uh, better decisions uh, after COVID because I believe it's a very critical time. Yet I always uh, see that uh, such crises can be easily shifted to opportunities if we use the right tools and if we change uh, the mindset uh, the mindset and uh, the perception to that. Mm. So looking forward really. Nada, I think we are going to benefit a lot from your, your insights. So now, a little bit about myself. Uh, I am the co-founder of Besson. Uh, and what we do is that we help organizations improve performance and well-being. Uh, now, in fact, people believe that, that performance and well-being are not correlated, but that there is many research that prove, in fact, that the performance and well-being goes hand in hand and specifically has become so important in our days. And little by little, I have noticed that there is, that it has been in a small <clears throat> drops embedded already in the minds of corporations that you cannot deal without taking care of uh, with the good performance without well-being. Um, prior to founding Bestern, in fact, I was for 17 years, Nada, can you believe, in the corporate world, in an American company. I have been going through transformations. I had the opportunity to jump from different, uh, in different areas of, of this company. I remember my early days as, as, a, as a kind of a business analyst crunching numbers because I have a background of engineering. I'm, I'm very numbers oriented, by the way. So I need data to prove, to prove that there is change or, or, or not. I have been progressing in, the, in areas of, of marketing and in, in commercial areas. My last role was, at, uh, was as the commercial strategy head for the Middle East. I, was, I, I had many opportunities and many, many good learnings about what it is to progress in the corporate world and how, how it is the, the waves of adaptability. But still, nothing compares to the changes that we have lived as, as of today. And this is the, the, the right moment, in fact, to, to, to start discussing about what has happened during COVID. What are the major changes observed in the mindset of people during, uh, during COVID? Uh, is there 
is there something that has happened or not? So if you don't mind, Radnada, I'm going just to start um, a little bit with, because I want to refer back to this same KPMG study where they were asking many CEOs about what they think about uh, what has been the, the changes. So there was the question to the CEOs regarding um, uh, what do you think is the purpose of your corporation today? And funny enough, it's only less than a quarter of these uh, of these CEOs who answer that the, the major objective is about managing the shareholder values. Less than a quarter, which previously it was the, the, the biggest focus. Now, we if we look uh, to the other answers, 54% were taking a broader purpose-driven approach focused on multiple stakeholders. So they believe that it's about uh, finding their ways to the sh uh, shareholders, providing shareholder value, but that there is something else providing more purpose to the, uh, to the society. Around 22% say that the primary objective is improve the society. Wow, this is a big change in terms of the perspective that we, that we bring to the role of corporations in, in, a, in our society. Absolutely. 79% say that they have, they need to reevaluate the purpose of their corporations as a result of COVID. What have you observed, Nada, from, uh, from your side in terms of this need to find a different purpose for corporations? This is actually music to my ears, Ivan, because, uh, um, you know, when we are undergoing any transformation, we face the, the usual obstacles of people not understanding why the change, what's in it for me, the usual cycle of uh, fear, resistance, and so forth. I think the COVID has put everyone in a position that uh, the, the change is there and it's not uh, to be avoided or uh, it's inevitable, like we say. And um, many research has proven exactly what you are saying, even on the corporate and values side. Uh, like if we talk about uh, the shifts that has happened inside the organizations and the shifts from being very hierarchical to being more people focused, uh, to be driven uh, not uh, due to financial or business results anymore, like what you're saying, but more into uh, agility, more into focusing on communication. Uh, the shift has happened uh, uh, in the mindsets of the leaders as well as the organization uh, culture for, for many companies, whereby, like we said at the beginning, also the focus on, on, on well-being is not nice to have anymore, but it's a must-have. Uh, according to Barrett Value Center, the well-being and the health moved from being uh, 20, number 26 in importance for the employees to number five. <laughs> so new values have been uh, either introduced or reinforced, like uh, the family, for example. It's been always there, yeah. but the ranking and the importance of people is now different, again, due to the shift that has happened in the mindset. So it's... Um, it is very important to acknowledge this as an organization and to onboard your people with you in that change of uh, mind, sh mind shift or, or the, the changing ideas and values and purposes. And to, very important is to align 
with the personal values of the employees in order to create more harmony and more connection to the organizational values, which will in turn increase definitely the commitment and later on uh, the objectives of the company. <laughs> you are fully right. Nada, I want to bring back a personal conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago and <clears throat> where I was commenting to you, I have never seen uh, such a, an involvement from human resources people yes, absolutely. Uh, in social media that have been uh, voicing out the voice of employees talking about well-being, about mental health, about the need for reassurance because people has been, has been suffering in a, a, at work during this period. So there was a, a lack of confidence that has been resented all across corporations. So the confidence in, in the global economic growth has plummeted since the beginning of the year. And this is due uh, to the pandemic. 32% of CEOs are less confident in global economic growth than they were at the beginning of the 2020 year. So and this has been felt by the organization and suddenly we, we hear a kind of a soft revolution from human resources that in pre-COVID, I must say, and sorry to be that blunt, human resources were not anywhere in terms of, uh, the perception was, sorry, that yes. they were not into the support of, of the employee. It was considered as, as, as a support function where there is so much to do because there is so much uh, manual things to control, numbers. You were owning a process. And suddenly, when you see that, the, <clears throat> that in my LinkedIn uh, wall, what I see is that every day that the most, there is at least 20 people from human resources that are posting something that is quite relevant for the world today. And I think it's, it, it's, it demonstrates, it's, it's a sign of, of how important the human uh, aspect is becoming in organization and how human resources is not anymore afraid to speak on behalf of employees. And this is quite awesome. But the news are not good, not all good during this, uh, during this COVID time. So if we look, from the perspective of the mental uh, mental health. So uh, pre-COVID, the numbers were that uh, around 45% of, of employees were suffering uh, of extreme anxiety because of work. Uh, mm -hmm. This is one. Secondly, the, uh, the populations that were suffering the most were one, women, because ha, still we live in an unequal world where women have to deal with the household and with the work. So that has added to the pressure of women uh, during the COVID times. So it has worsened the situation for women. And in general, younger generations like the late millennials are the ones suffering the most in terms of mental well-being. So mm -hmm. this has worsened. So from the 45% of people having anxiety problems pre-COVID, we have 12 points more that has been added because of COVID. So the big question is, despite all of the good positive things that we see during these times, is it enough to compensate this growth 
of, of cases of, of, of mental well-being. What is your feeling? Are we, have we done enough? Have we transformed enough during this COVID time or is simply not enough? I don't think it's enough yet because I think we are still all in the learning phase. Not only HR, but I think even the leaders, like you said, are becoming more uncertain now worldwide in different industries about next decisions they need to take for their business. So I think we are all in the learning phase and I think COVID has sort of pushed everyone against the wall to, to, be, to, to have to face the real issues they have on a business level, on a human level as well. Otherwise, they will not be able to sustain or grow the business anymore. And having said so, uh, I will tend to not disagree, but maybe shed the light on the role of HR from a different perspective that HR has been always playing a very supportive role and working as a very strategic business partner with the business in most of the organizations believing in the role of transformation. Whereas in, in those who still believe what's in it for us, we're doing things super still on the product uh, centricity side, more than consumer centricity, still deciding to do things in a complex manner, very hierarchical who are automatically falling behind with this mentality. I think now COVID has pushed even those uh, type of, of organizations and of management uh, teams to also shift the mindset to be following a, tra a real transformation. I think HR has been always the pioneer behind the transformation. I always find it uh, amusing when I'm attending uh, a call or taking part in a, in, a, in a talk and people refer to transformation as digitalization and IT team. And I always wonder who will be behind the IT team to show them the new skills, to shift the mindset of them that of themselves and of other teams working with them if HR is not playing a proper role and putting down the milestones for transformation. So I think now it's time where people are realizing again that the transformation of mindset is not a nice to have anymore. The wellness and the health and the priority of the um, correlation between dividing time for yourself and the new value that has now occurred for family that's coming as a priority. That's why many organizations now are uh, even extending the work from home options. Some organizations have even are even uh, exploring the opportunity to start selling some assets and to provide people with comfortable work from home conditions and tools. This is all coming from the fact that people are reprioritizing the values again and the real purpose of the jobs. I think the younger generation might have it uh, more difficult because uh, uh, they think a lot. They are on a, on a much higher speed in comparison to us mm. in what they want to, to achieve and where they want to be. I remember in one of the companies I was uh, working and we were analyzing maybe five, six years back, the main drivers for the young generation, uh, the fresh grads or the very young professionals whereby where they want to join a job and I remember seeing for the first time in my career at the time that they want to join a job to be able to relocate and travel the world, not because they want um, stability like our generation, they want to grow vertical, but now uh, know how much they want to explore the world and be promoted, uh, you know, and explore other uh, opportunities very quickly. Mm. Having said so, I think definitely in, in a crisis like the pandemic, with the very uh, fast pace 
which is not always necessarily uh, uh, an advantage, by the way. Like you always need to balance out how quickly you are moving in and adapting and in changing processes and in ensuring your people are on board with you in the same boat, uh, as opposed to other needs exactly. you need to take care of even if this will take a longer time. And the challenge now is with the HR professionals and CEOs and MDs, because they're working most of the time now with HR to protect the welfare of the employees, so to say, is how to create the right balance and how to prioritize in order to ensure you are still having the productivity level that you want, the engagement level, equipping the tools that, and I don't mean tools like uh, mobiles and laptops only, but real tools to make the person at home feel they are still secure as a manager. The teams are performing. We have faced that a lot, a lot of complaints where managers are not trusting uh, their subordinates to be working. How can I know that they were, maybe they are by the beach, maybe they are and these are all valid concerns, but if you start thinking that at the end you have one uh, purpose that you need to fulfill, changing your mindset also as a manager, it will reflect on your subordinates more positively, that they will feel more trusted. And this is a new value also, uh, not new, but a new a new, um, new high-ranking value now that is coming up when you read about researches and what organizations want to have. Uh, the value of trust and engagement from the management and among the people, uh, among the different layers, and even between a manager and their subordinates. Hmm. So we need to be um, very cautious in what we want to achieve, um, address the needs of the Gen Ys and the millennials uh, also, but uh, maybe it's time for everyone to pause, like when you read articles about what the COVID has done to, to some people's minds, uh, they use the expression of freezing or uh, posing. And this is what you're referring to as people being very anxious. Uh, people cannot perform uh, like before. This is a shared responsibility between HR professionals to provide tools to support employees. But it's very important that ideally this should have started pre-COVID to change the mindset of how we do the work and how things need to be managed onwards. And I have a bit of a concern for those who still believe that it's pre-COVID, post-COVID, post-COVID is the normal. And people still, some people still fail to understand or fail to actually face their fear that things will never be the same again. That everything is changing. Not only the way we're doing business, but big business models are now changing. Operation models are changing. The way we are sourcing Ivan is going to be completely different. And this is touch basing again on the Gen Y. That Gen Y now also, surprisingly, they need to work on new set of skills now. Because otherwise, uh, the jobs will be after some time obsolete. How we as HR professionals need to prepare prepare for all of this, to retain our people, to attract new um, people, a younger generation. But now organizations are not like pre-COVID because even the, the, the competences you need to have and the way you are sourcing now will never be the same because we have experienced what it, what it is to be living in a pandemic for every year. And guess what? Many people are actually doing very well in the business. So those who are falling behind, whether it's Gen Y or Baby Boomers or Gen X, 
we need to address those specific needs for those people and understand why they're falling behind and provide support, whether through HR or through other resources, maybe through third parties, through now we have lots of companies in Egypt that are launching uh, wellness programs under the medical insurance, which was very interesting to, to, to see that already we are beginning very proactive trends to educate the HR professionals and the MDs and the executives within any company how to cope with anxieties and stress and how to make sure that you monitor this as HR. When it goes down, um, there is a big alarm for that. Like now, I'm always saying now, uh, like we do in Egypt, we have something mandatory. Before you join any, any company, you have to do a, a, a wellness, uh, sorry, a health checkup. So you go to yeah. a hospital and you need to get yourself checked and you need to get certificates saying you're about your physical health. I now think that the mental health before you assign someone to any job, before you start sourcing is as important. As you're saying, people, some people are really falling behind. Uh, they're still suffering from anxiety. And this is also coming due to the uncertainty they're feeling. So as HR, you need to comfort them and you need to understand where your big problems are falling and then start creating an action plan to comfort the people accordingly or to give them, uh, like we say in Europe, you have something called uh, leaves due to unstable uh, mental health. And this is this is a concept that needs to be introduced to, to, to all companies very soon to, to also protect those who are capable of coping in a more positive manner. Absolutely. Because otherwise, you know, the negative feelings and the fears and anxieties, if they're not uh, contained, it will soon spread. Hmm. Uh, Nada, something that has that... I really like about what you, what you said is that <clears throat> this expectation that things are going to come back to normal um, is completely wrong because the previous the pre-COVID was not that awesome and it's good that change is happening. There were a lot of things that we were doing wrong in terms of our private lives, in terms of, of uh, the corporate the values or the culture that the, the corporate world was developing that needed to be reconsidered. And that has, this crisis has given us the opportunity to try new things because we saw where are the weaknesses. A corporation cannot thrive, an organization cannot thrive in terms of productivity. You were talking about uh, this idea of being frozen, uh, <clears throat> which, kind of lead me a little bit to the, uh, to the, uh, to the next topic about the implications for, uh, for corporations. This idea of being frozen is saying, we are paying people to be productive. Nevertheless, there is a, a, a trend that has been growing in corporation, which is called presenteeism. So <laughs> this frozen being in front of the screen, being physically present, uh, in front of the screen where, as you say, my boss can look at me through the camera. I'm in front of, in front of the screen, but I'm, I'm simply frozen in, uh, in front of the computer and people mis, uh, misunderstand the, the, the spread of the problem. Um, there was a study in the, in the UK where the cost of presenteeism has been estimated at 1,000 uh, 1, pounds uh, per, per year, per, empl uh, per employee. Can you imagine how much 
uh, how much impact it, it, it can have uh, in, in terms of financials that to have people who are just not doing what they are supposed to, uh, to be done. And we are always co considering that mental well-being is about just counting the sick leaves. No ways, it's about quantifying the lack of productivity of people who do not feel at their best mentally. I, I'm looking at the, uh, at the chat and there was a comment from Fernanda saying that one of the things that has impacted, and this I totally agree, is that the work-life balance has been, uh, it has been difficult to attain. Working from home, you don't see anymore the borders uh, uh, between what is work and what is your private life, which again goes uh, with, the, with what you mentioned. Give it, the role of HR has been <clears throat> critical in order to provide tools. And by tools, we are not talking about physical assets, but we are talking about processes to manage better the new ways of working. So the mindset that you need to have in these uncertain, uh, uncertain times in order to have more resilience, in order to, to, to have processes to manage this differentiation between private life, making the time, because indeed you are working from the same desk uh, yes. that, that you are sometimes eating. So how do you manage this, uh, the, this uh, process? How do you block times in order for your brain to re-energize, to, uh, to be sustainable, to, uh, to recharge, in, uh, in fact? And that's something that is quite valuable. And by the way, Nada, I know that I started a little bit into the critic side about human resources, but you know that I'm provocative. And I, I wanted just to, to launch the topic in a, in a very striking humble. way. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry to clarify, I'm not provoked. <laughs> if I can just add something to, to Fernanda on the work-life balance, as I said previously, we are all in the learning phase, whether, on HR, whether on commercial, it's it's a new phase. And I think with time, like what you're even what you're saying right now is absolutely true. People will start developing the boundaries. Like exactly when an employee used to go to work full time and they would stay every day overtime. Hmm. Every day, every day. You start questioning why are you overtime? Why do you spend so many hours in the office? Are you understaffed as a team? Are you is your workload not being uh, properly handled? Are you slow? Uh, do you have a crisis at work? I think with time, because the complaint of the lack of work-life balance, especially with, um, I'm going to be a little bit on the feminine side now, with women having to tackle so many things, like you said, uh, it's becoming difficult. But the good thing is people are aware of it. And research is working on that and companies are working on recommendations and HR is studying that and leaders are having that into consideration. I think that with time, the more people are speaking up about it. And I think also now it's very important to highlight the importance of speaking up and raising issues, especially in a learning phase right now. What's going right? What's not going so right? The, the, the trial and error, the learning from the mistakes. And as you said, what we have done pre-COVID was not perfect. So now we are given a perfect opportunity to actually change whatever we need to change. Because before COVID also, people used to sometimes raise a flag that the, we don't have work-life balance. I need to take sometimes uh, time, more days off. In Egypt, it is common, unfortunately, in many companies that they don't consume their vacation balance uh, in a year. 
and companies have to compensate you in, in, in money after a certain duration for this. And some people take advantage of that. They wouldn't take vacations to get paid this amount, but this is not the right mindset. Where is the role of the management and of the HR to, to enforce you to take a vacation? I will not force you by taking away your laptop, but how to educate you about the importance of your sanity like you're yeah. saying, to disconnect, to come back more refreshed and productive. Yeah. So it's all in the mindset. I believe the more we are uh, educating ourselves, the more we are sharing this knowledge with others, the more it will get there. Because the, the work-life balance, in my humble opinion, is like any other thing you are doing at work or outside work. It's the boundary you want to put for yourself to be respected and appreciated by others. And then if it's not done, then you have the right to complain and raise a flag. But now we are in the learning phase. The managers themselves were freaking out until the last few months. Of, oh, my God, how can I do appraisals remotely? Hmm. Now that everything is done, now that productivity is becoming to stabilize again, now that companies are focusing on different development tools, launching wellness initiatives, uh, seeking help to understand about wellness and about the well-being of the employees, focusing rather than from hierarchy, business results, um, na na na, but more I'm moving into people, communication, engagement. When this becomes clearer, everything will change. But I think also, like I said, we need to give things time. Okay, we need to give things time. But the more we are doing, holding such sessions, we are sharing knowledge, we are learning, we are we are reading and sharing it further. We will get there. Yeah, Nada, I, I want to to get back because I I have a question that somebody has uh, has posted that I I wanted to answer because I think that this is is super critical and you're going to love it, Nada. So this person says that, uh, how can we be sure that uh, if you have struggles with your mental health issues, uh, that they are not going, the corporations are not going to use it against you? This is a very, a very good question. And I'm glad that the person has asked it. Uh, uh, let me just share my, my take on this. If a corporation is capable of using this against you, you need to take the lead of leaving that corporation because they will not have any scruple to kick you out if needed. So you are already in a very uncertain moment uh, because if you feel that the culture is corrupted, is rotten inside of that corporation, they will not have any, anything against uh, that will prevent them to kick you out in, at, at any time. If you feel that, if there is no trust in the culture of the company, you should leave because the price that you have to pay, and I say it also from the personal side, uh, uh, is that it is quite high and it takes time to recover. And it takes time to, for your family to recover from that change when they see someone who is broken inside. Now, let me get back to the definition of uh, that sometimes people think that uh, <clears throat> that is wrongly interpreted about burnout. Burnout doesn't come because you are working a lot. Burnout comes from the fact that your values and the values of the corporation do not match 
and you are constantly on demand. People are asking you these things. Uh, your families are ask, asking you different, uh, different things. Your personal values, your heart is not anymore there and you are broken. It's, uh, it's, I think that the, the, uh, the smart word is cognitive dissonance where things are not matching and you, your brain is constantly in, in, uh, in demand. You cannot sleep anymore uh, correctly. You have a crisis of anxiety. I have seen people, unfortunately, that cannot even walk uh, from, for a couple of days. So the, the price to pay is quite heavy. So if you feel that this corporation is not trustable, make the, st the first step yourself. What do you think, Nana? Spot on. I, I don't think there's much to add here. I think it's, um, we always say that uh, strategy, uh, sorry, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. This has mm -hmm. been one of my favorite, favorite quotes whenever I'm undergoing a transformation project. And uh, if you don't feel that there's enough trust for you and this culture to grow and to feel vulnerable enough that uh, you are uh, passing through a difficult time, well, for me, a mental instability due to something like a pandemic and uh, the, the fear of losing a job or losing a family member or being sick yourself is exactly as uh, vulnerable as if somebody has a physical uh, disease. But unfortunately, again, because of the lack of awareness that people confuse this and they might uh, um, not use this in the optimal way, it's against, uh, it's against the law, it's against the human law, it's a compliance thing actually that can be raised um, as opposed to raising a flag against differentiation because you're not getting equal opportunities, because you're not fairly treated it's it's a long list of terminologies we can use now in, in hr to protect such acts but uh, totally agree with you if the person doesn't feel uh, safe enough to to share such a concern how else do they expect to grow or to uh, to be sustained in such an environment and how do they expect to be productive it, mm. it, it cannot match um, another thing that employee uh, employers now are doing to prevent similar things is to have this uh, platform confidentially run through third parties. Yeah. So this is also a way maybe that you can propose to your management that uh, they can be managing such uh, things through uh, third parties, uh, vendors, insurance, applications, potentially, because with that, the confidential uh, sense will also increase. Uh, so things will be made more or less anonymous and people could be asking for help without revealing um, uh, further information about them if they don't feel comfortable. And by law and by policy, this is not supposed to be shared. Like when, when I receive medical um, uh, files from our medical insurance, just to even review consumption for pure financial purposes, I ask them and they do this. We remove the names. Mm. I'm not supposed to, to, to know that Nada is suffering from X, Ivan is suffering from Y. No. Why am I checking? Because I need to check about finances and uh, abuse. No, 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 no. But it's not my area of speciality. Although I'm heading the HR department, I'm responsible for the deals to know who is suffering from what. It's purely confidential. So actually, if it's exposed and used against the person, then it's a big no. 
Yeah. If they don't trust to be sharing with internally, then su suggest to have a third party running this for your company. This could yeah. be a way out. Yeah. Um, Nada, I wanted to, to move forward and discuss a little bit more about the implications for corporations. So uh, there is a couple of implications and we can subdivide them in, in, in terms of areas. So we have the level of productivity at work that has been impacted. We mentioned already presenteeism being a big share. In fact, um, the total cost in the, uh, in the UK of mental health relation financial impact, uh, it is comparable to the GDP of Serbia. So we are talking about billions of dollars. So mm. this is huge. And 70% of that cost do not come because you are taking leaves because you don't feel well mentally. It's yeah. coming from uh, presenteeism. So the fact that you are not working at your best at work and you are being frozen. I love this frozen thing, in fact, because I can visualize it totally. Yeah. Now, there has also been changes in terms of people development. The, the share of, uh, of devoted to well-being has increased. So uh, pre-COVID, the, the share of well-being related programs, development programs uh, were about, about the, between three and 5%. Uh, we see uh, that it has been increased to 12%. We are not there yet. Uh, of course. The, uh, the the uh, the um, the budgets for people development in general, which includes well-being and uh, and and trainings of either for soft skills or hard skills, have decreased, has shrunk. But it's not that dramatic. In fact, I I, I was foreseeing something that it was quite dramatic. But the average is around 18% lowering uh, lower that of the total uh, uh, budget. Um, mm. What concerns me most, the most is that, that in terms of the support that people need in order to be fulfilled at work and have the right tools that you mentioned before, is that the share of, 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 of that is devoted to create this mindset, this adaptability to the new situation is not that huge. And this is where maybe we needed to do to press the button pause in terms of uh, relate development uh, areas that are re uh, related to soft skills like communication and so on and say can we reallocate more on the fuel that makes this person uh, work better be at their best mentally so that they can still keep up with the uh, demands this uncertainty so the shift of, of budget is what doesn't concern me that they have reduced the budget because anyways uh, in countries like um like in the, uh, in the UAE, which is one of the highest expenditure per capita uh, for, for employees. But uh, do we, did we need all that, all that money thrown away? That's, that's the big question. We also see that the, the way people learn uh, in terms of in-class training is one of the, the most inefficient ways to have someone during two days in a, in a training room and we all know, and I think even human resources know the fact that the level of retention or applicability after two months is in the two, three percent. So what, what I, I'm concerned is about the methodology of training people should be revised in order to, uh, to be more applicable, more relatable to the person and in terms of timing, 
the good news is that technology and some of the learnings in terms of brain science allow us to, to find ways that are still uh, budget-wise quite convenient, but we are not changing this traditional way of, of training people uh, that um, <clears throat> rapidly enough. Motivation has been, uh, has been quite highly, highly impacted during, the, uh, uh, during COVID times. Uh, they, the employee well-being we have already mentioned that, uh, that in many cases, in fact, and this is related to the question that we answered just before, uh, a lot of the employees want still to hide the fact that they are struggling and they have been investing themselves from their pocket without telling their company <clears throat> because they are afraid uh, mm -hmm. in terms of their development in, in terms of their, their mental well-being. Uh, and that, that is a trend that is approximately 30% of employees that have been putting their money in, or, I mean, now there is a lot of tools that you can access online in order to manage your, your, your well-being, but they have been putting a little bit of their pocket because they are still really afraid of sharing, uh, sharing that with their, um, uh, with their corporations. What is your take in terms of the, this, uh, this implication for corporations? Um, uh, well, I think you nailed it all. Maybe the, another the small thing that I can add here for the development, and I would share what I've been doing with, uh, with the company where I'm currently at. I did not stop the development last year at all. I just changed the methodology. We do the development for our people. Uh, maybe an answer to or an insight to what you're saying is to develop. Uh, very customized things for for the people. And this has been always my approach whenever I work in anything related to L&D. Uh, customization is key. Before COVID, during COVID, after COVID, there's no one size fits all in development. Uh, a smart L&D professional should always get a sense of what the organization needs most and the timing they need to introduce this. Uh, and the priority they need to follow. I don't think that COVID, uh, at least from my perspective, because I'm always optimistic about uh, development and I always count on the people, uh, I don't think it should be changing. I just think that we need to, again, change the mindset about the priorities now and about what is needed to create this uh, good um, uh, changing environment, whether work from home, whether when we go back to the office, but at a less capacity, uh, what do you need to empower your managers to increase trust? How can you make the leaders uh, more comfortable and work on their, also on their psychological needs because they, they suffer most as, as uh, executive teams, they feel very responsible for the business results. Uh, how can you make them more relaxed towards what's coming and more certain and perceive everything as an opportunity? And I know that this is being uh, very easy said than done, but uh, I've seen also last year lots of um, uh, startups in, in Egypt working in the training fields. Uh, how much? Because they're very young and they're building on the opportunity of this resilience and VUCA and managing remotely and uh, all the nice words we have been using pre-COVID to push for transformation that now they're putting in a capsule for the people to develop and they're giving it to people in a way that it's uh, very easy things to read, very easy tips to implement. Because mind you, we tend to complicate things as humans. I mean, change is not easy, but once you start removing that this change will harm you or it's there to get you, 
you begin to be more open and receptive. This is, uh, this is the normal. Unless, of course, you have a traumatizing experience with change, uh, which has uh, impacted your personal values. Okay, yeah. so this is not that everyone. Of course, we have a good percentage of people uh, fearing to, to, to see the bright side of change, but you have a good number of people also who are open to change if you show them the, the, the positive side of it. Yeah. Here lies the responsibility again on the L&D professionals. And I've been working with the, one of those startups. They, they take my opinion in my position as HRD. What do I see for the coming four to five years for the new generation, for the, for the, for the senior people to develop? And we've been brainstorming together on a pro product that they have launched in 2021, including those skills that, that they need to be embedded either for the young, for the senior, because even senior people now, they need to change mindsets. I'm, yeah. I'm changing completely how I need to develop my people. It's a change of mindset that I need to work on personally to be able to convey this to, to the teams I'm working with. So I think that also with time, uh, and I believe that in 2021, we will see lots of exciting new uh, uh, programs. Like now talk, people are talking about emotional agility. They're replacing that with emotional intelligence. Yeah. Uh, people are talking about um, uh, leadership uh, maturity. It's the mm -hmm. first time to read about that. And they're giving this to leaders. And, and it's a training that will not only show you how to be a good leader and give you the nice needed skills, but how to make sure you have matured in your position as a leader so you can sustain those changes. So I think it all depends on how the L&D professionals are willing to expand and stretch themselves to take it to the next level of development. But I think development never ends. And the, 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 with any opportunity, uh, even when after COVID, we begin to be more stable and more at ease with COVID and more at ease with wearing masks and everything, the, the smart people in the field will be the one to capture on the rising needs, on the changing needs and to be able to sell it. And I think what the startup has done to take the opinion and the feedback and to have brainstorming sessions with many HR professionals in Egypt was a very smart move because now they developed a product uh, that is pinpointing all the things we have been crazy about last year in one journey, okay? And uh, it will begin to evolve again, you know, when they launch it, uh, the feedback of the people. So that's the beauty of it. I mean, uh, you know, we learn as we go. Nada, I, I love what you uh, what you mentioned. So there, there is a, there is a good transformation in terms of the uh, the development of, of of learning journeys for for employees that are a little bit unconventional. We must say because uh, all what you mentioned is is true that if one year ago you come with mindfulness leadership or maturity leadership, the HR guy would kick you out of the door in three seconds and a half. But today, you come with that, people are listening because they know that they, that, that they need it. And it's not anymore about giving them 300 slides about uh, telling the stories of somebody else, but it's to provide the bandwidth to people to, to have the capacity to be more recept receptive, to be more self-learning, to give them the tools to, to grow by themselves. And this is, uh, this is quite important. I wanted to get back because we have six minutes before the ending of, uh, of this session is about the sense of purpose that we have in our uh, in organizations. So there has been an evolution and 
we know that the, the, the driving intrinsic motivation, which is the ultimate ultimate goal of, of, of purpose, has gone into evolution. So gone are the days of, of thinking that you are work, that the only motivation is your salary. Then we had uh, the, uh, the, the motivation framework change into the carrot and stick. You do this, I give you that. Uh, you don't do it, I remove something from you. Um, like, yeah, typically, it doesn't need uh, any, uh, any explanation. And then there is this growth of, and it's, uh, of practice of creating uh, teams that are motivated through uh, finding, in fact, the intrinsic motivation that is within them. And this is where the practice of, uh, of, of having a purpose or having an aim that goes beyond just the financial purpose of the corporation has been key because especially younger talent, they feel more attracted to that. I think that the uh, Generation X was still very moved by the financial terms. Uh, there is this sense of mastery where People are, are doing something that is challenging enough, but they know how to, do, uh, how to do it. You don't have to tell them how to do the things, but it's more about clarity on the what and letting them do uh, the way they want to achieve the objective that the leader has, uh, has, uh, has picked. And then there is the sense of creating accountability, ownership of what, what you are developing in, uh, in your, uh, your team. So these three things has contributed to to recreate motivation in a new way. And I see a lot of people practicing. Uh, it is crazy, uh, Nada, that um, some years ago, I remember reading this book from Daniel Pink called Drive. Mm. And we read it again because all of this situation, uh, it, it, it is so, uh, it was so necessary to get back to the basics about what drives motivation beyond financial terms. Because believe me, Generation Z doesn't give a crap about, uh, about the, uh, the financial terms. Their main concerns and something I think that you have mentioned is about how do I get a work-life balance and, and, and personal well-being? 39% of them claims that that would be a good reason to join a corporation. So yeah. the guys are capable of, if they believe that Tom's shoes are going to pay 20 to 30% less than your corporation, they will go to Tom's shoes because there is more meaning that they have understood that there is work-life balance, there is personal well-being, there is purpose. So how can we, how can corporations in fact attract these people or uh, if they don't change inside of, the, uh, of their culture? Uh, Nada, I have just a little question that I wanted, I, I wanted to, your help to, to, to answer. So we have someone who has, uh, who has, who's telling us that, uh, that his generation was more relatable in terms of personal relationships and it is enough of this virtual uh, uh, relationship, uh, virtual relationship through, through Zoom. So is there any advice to, for someone who is, who is afraid of losing this personal touch because everything has become virtual? I don't think we will continue like this, to be very honest. I think it's just we are in a very critical phase right now 
with this crazy pandemic and people all over the place. And again, we are learning. But personally, I don't think we will continue in a virtual long forever, uh, virtual world. Um, I think there will be a combination. I think the COVID has just made shed the light on the on the possibility of doing things virtually. But I don't think we will be like this forever. I personally go to the meetings uh, inside my office once in a while. I meet with my colleagues maintaining the social distance. I think we're just in the very critical uh, paranoid phase right now in all companies. Mm -hmm. But I think the more the paranoia will uh, will end, uh, because I truly believe that there's something much bigger happening in the pandemic, honestly. I think things will begin to settle. Yes, we will not go back like before. Maybe some companies will decide to make the uh, workspaces less, but that does never mean that we will be living only virtually. Um, I believe there will be still room for us to go and interact and meet, maybe not like every day, but uh, I don't think the human touch will be gone at all. I think it's just a phase and I totally understand this because also for my generation, I don't know how old... Um, the, the 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 person has asked is but also for my generation i sometimes tell my family i miss hugging my friends you know because even the personal touch is yeah. not like before so i totally get it but i don't think we will continue like this for forever i think it will be the mixture and yeah. I, I think only the covid has introduced new ways of doing business to be very honest and to interact with people but it will never be like this forever this is no. my imagination I I share your opinion. It will be a hybrid mode. Uh, it will be something yeah. in between. It cannot go back to uh, the way it was before. It cannot be the Latin American way that people are just touching each other all the time, which, by the way, I don't like so, mu uh, so, so much. But what we have to <laughs> really, think Really, we like touching in Egypt very much. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what we have to consider is that uh, whatever the, the age we may have, the brain is co constructed in such a way that, that it can learn at any time. The neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity principle is something that is quite valid and, and, and proven. In fact, that and whatever is the age, we can create new routines to adapt and quantify, in fact, to have the same level of pleasure that we had before by replacing uh, all behaviors with new, uh, with new behaviors. So yes. we have that as an advantage that is not because of age uh, of what we used to do in our generation that we cannot go into uh, into terms of uh, of evolution. So uh, nada. Some last words on what you think it should be the appropriate way to be more human centric in today? Um, well, I don't know if I can answer that quickly, but maybe um, <laughs> very, very, very common something that would make sense to, to, to everyone. I think the, the I think the personal values that each of, an, of, of us have are very specific to him or her, and uh, they're very uh, consistent. The personal values only change when there is something very big happening around you, personally or within your nearest scope. And I think organizations in the coming period need to be very smart to see how the personal values of their people have changed and accordingly link it with the new organizational values. Mm. This would be one tip personally 
I'm working on right now in, in, in my company to try to identify through surveys, through talking with our people to understand what has shifted for them because a lot of things have shifted for people and and uh, and it's important to acknowledge that. Part of changing is also acknowledging uh, that there is a change uh, and admitting that you need to do something about it. It doesn't have to be right now, but at least bring it to your mindset that when the personal values are changing, it's very difficult to connect to old organizational values. You will soon start losing your people. And uh, even if they're with you physically in the workplace, they will not be uh, as passionate and as engaged as you want them to be. So one tip would be to align both values together as much as you can mm -hmm. uh, through understanding what the people need and what can I as an organization do and achieve to match these values. Hmm. Absolutely. Now that it is, uh, it is quite striking what, the, uh, what you just said. I just wanted to add that from the perspective, uh, it is more to build on what, uh, what you, you mentioned is that it has become clear that there has been an evolution in terms of uh, a, a positive evolution in the, in the right way in terms of uh, this human-centric uh, corporation. It has been positive, but the rate of degradation of the, the support that employees need uh, has been increasing at a higher rate. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is the moment where we need to take our goats and say, how, can, can I, is it worthwhile? Do I need to change culture to try something else? Financial terms have never been enough to compensate the lack Absolutely. of being trust or whatsoever. So I, I think this is the moment where we can all take our destiny in our hands and in order to move forward. Nada, really, thank you very much because thank I have you, learned Lana. quite a lot today. Thank you, likewise. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for the attendance. It was lovely to have you. Uh, and by the way, so if you need to get in touch, Nada Rochette is in LinkedIn. Ivan Palomino is in LinkedIn. Connect, ask questions, shoot. Uh, so I, I, would be, I would be glad to connect with you, really. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you, great everyone. Evening. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.